trying to see five mil off the single For real, you ain't phasing uh, the amazing uh-huh. While your gun's raising, mine is blazing Well, it seems everyone's dreams of a Led Zeppelin pinball in 2020 might be going over like a Led Zeppelin. So there is obviously a lot more news now about what Stern's next title is, and it is another version of the Pin series of games, which is the home use only cheaper games. There's a Star Wars game that's already available. I think there's a Spider-Man pin version. And so Hamlicker Schlemmer in their catalog put out that Stern Pinball is going to be selling a Star Wars comic book art pin edition. Stern is going to have a distributor call with people next Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, in which they're going to reveal the next exciting pin in the lineup of Stern Pinball, which is a pin series game. And so look, this is probably going to be it. I mean, maybe this is a red herring and maybe it's not a pin version of Star Wars comic book art, but that is confirmed. I mean, it's in the catalog for Hamlicker Schlemmer. So it's coming out. That's really a weird word to say. Hamlicker Schlemmer. Say that 10 times when you're drinking. All right. Um, so, but here's the thing. Maybe, maybe, just maybe there's an ounce of hope that this is not the reveal that will happen on Tuesday. Maybe it's going to be something else because some distributor out there is telling people that there's an all-new Stern game being revealed Tuesday. And when people showed him that it was Star Wars comic book art, he said it's an all-new pin. Now, look, I know this is an all-new available game, but if it's comic book art on a Star Wars pin series game, that's not brand new because we've already had the Star Wars version of the pin series of pinball. I, I hate the name of this damn thing. Why is it called pin? Like, it's so annoying just to try to explain what you're talking about when they called a damn pinball machine pin. Like, ah, uh, uh, that is horrible marketing. Horrible marketing, Stern Pinball. I I can't believe, I'm not even going to talk about it anymore, but here's the thing. Nobody wants this. No enthusiast is looking forward to this cheap version, stripped down version of the game, all right? Okay, so we'll see if Led Zeppelin makes it out this year. I don't think so. I've been talking to more people, and the reality is Stern does have so many games that they have to make. The backlog over at Stern Pinball is in the thousands of games. You know, all those Ninja Turtles, all those Jurassic Parks, all those Avengers, all those Batmans, all these games. I mean, the problem with Stern isn't a problem for anyone other than those waiting for games because they make so many titles at once. And when you offer eight titles at once, people are going to order games left and right. And there's so many popular themes that Stern offers that now you have to wait. I mean, the new reality in all of pinball, and I think everyone's starting to wake up to this fact, you are no longer going to get your machines right away unless unless it's a Stern cornerstone title and you get one of the early pros or Ellie's of the game, which is how it should be. Like They should get the games out to operators first, even though there's no one playing on location, and then you should get the people who spend the most amount of money, their Ellie's. But a new game now, a Cornerstone game in 2020, have they done all three Cornerstone games? Apparently Stranger Things, which came out in December of 2019, is the first Cornerstone game for Stern Pinball in 2020. So I think we've seen all three Cornerstone games then. I think we've seen Stranger Things, we've seen Avengers, and what? which one am I missing? And Ninja Turtles, yeah. So Ninja Turtles, Stranger Things, and Avengers are the three cornerstone machines for Stern Pinball in 2020. Now look, they, they may shock us, they may surprise us, but I don't think 
we're going to see another cornerstone or Led Zeppelin anytime in 2020. And I know I said it was on the line already. And again, it just goes to show the horrible, horrible information I sometimes get given to me on this show. I mean, why would someone hit me up and say, hey, I heard that it's on the line. It clearly was either heavy metal or was the Star Wars pin that was on the line. So I, I just got to start using my eyes more, not my ears. Like People tell me with my ears what I want to hear, but unless I see this stuff, I'm always going to report this stuff as rumors and speculation because unless I see it, I don't believe it's true in pinball, okay? Now, something that nobody wanted to hear or see was that there is a new tax on pinball pinball that is going to significantly affect the pinball manufacturers, the distributors, and the customers of pinball, and especially all of those people who are in the European Union. I want to read an email I got from someone who is over in the UK because I think this does a great job of explaining and articulating the situation. So let me read this. The subject is EU pinball tax. Greetings from the UK, sir. Over the last few weeks, I have been setting up a new pinball supply business for the UK, the Pinball Bazaar. Like you, pinball is a passion project for me, and this business is really because importing to the UK has always been really difficult. With customs and high shipping charges, no one stocked Comet, Ball Baron, Pin Stadium, etc. So that's the products we are stocking here in the UK, amongst others as we move forward. I have to say this EU pinball tax is madness, utter madness. Madness. Whilst the UK will cease to have to pay this due to us moving to UK global tariff, where it will move us back to 0% for such things, our friends in the EU will be forced to have to bear such costs. This isn't great for a hobby, which at times can be so expensive. It isn't great for suppliers. It isn't great for our community, who as you know, no matter the distance, country or culture, are able to share, enjoy and communicate this passion even in such times as we live in today. Keep up the great work and stay safe, James, the Pinball Bazaar. So James, thank you for writing in. I mean, this tax sucks. There's no way around it. So people started doing the numbers on if you have to pay 25% over the cost of the game with customs, you're looking at a Stern Pro is between 10 and $11,000. And you're looking at your Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition that you just dropped 12.5 on is now getting closer to $18,000, right? Now, obviously the hardest hit on all of this, besides the customers, is going to be Stern Pinball because they ship the most amount of games overseas. Now, I feel really bad for the people who just ordered the most recent titles and they haven't shipped yet. It's not just Stern. I mean, imagine if you just bought a Rick and Morty. You just bought a Rick and Morty, it's about to ship and it hasn't arrived yet. Now your game is gonna be 25% more than a guy who got his Rick and Morty delivered maybe a few months ago. And that's just painful because you're never gonna get that money back and it's money for nothing. It really is money for nothing. But Stern is going to get hit the hardest by all of this, then Jersey Jack Pinball. And if you follow the chain of who's impacted, then the distributors, I mean, all these poor distributors in Europe all of a sudden now, how are they gonna survive if everyone just starts canceling their orders and waits until this tax is lifted? Like they can't go months and months and months without any orders and, and it's gotta be really hard on them. And then obviously the end user, the consumer, you, I, I don't know how you wake up one day, no one feels good about this. And so I think a lot of them are gonna cancel orders. And so this might actually free up 
some difficult to find titles for some of you people. Do you think people are going to cancel? This is an interesting question. Do you think people are going to cancel their Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition now that this tax is out there in the world? I would argue that this game has appreciated by 25% because of the extreme demand for the game. So I would still take this game. So let's just close the loop on this that this sucks. I never want to see these dumb taxes put in place. I, I hate taxation like this. And these damn politicians, it's such an annoying thing that they do this stuff. It hurts everybody. Nobody wins in these situations. And I hope this does not hurt the companies and the consumers and the distributors that really, really suffer if this thing stays in place for a long period of time, all right? Now, speaking of stuff that's been in place for a long period of time and where we go into the future, I want to talk about pinball shows and the likelihood that these pinball shows are going to take place in 2021. Because this is just something that I know there's a divided camp on this. And I still, to this day, am really confused as to why there is a divided camp around this pandemic and its impact on pinball and shows and traveling to shows and playing pinball machines because playing pinball with a crowded room of people who have traveled from all over the country and possibly all over the world, that is a super spreader event. And if you don't think this thing is real and you think it's a hoax and it's media manufactured, I don't know what to tell you. It's real. And the last week in America, we have seen the spike of this virus come back like they said it would. The scientists have been right all along, okay? We're now seeing daily cases in America of 100,000 plus, okay? 100,000 people. And I know that the death rate is not super high, but it doesn't matter. For a lot of us out there, we know somebody who is a high-risk candidate for dying if they catch this thing. My parents are. I'm gonna be fully transparent here. If my parents caught this, they would not survive it. My dad has lung problems and my mom has underlying health conditions. So you think that I'm going to get on a plane and go to Texas in March to play pinball or maybe accept some plastic trophy, which we know we're going to win the fourth Twippy. You think I'm going to get on a plane and put my parents at risk just for that? And even if I'm not in a situation where I'm scared that it's gonna kill me if I get it, it's for the other people. It's the people I love. So I wanna talk about the pinball shows, but here's how I wanna think about this. And I've been saying this on my Facebook page, and I think that all these manufacturers must be looking at two things right now. They must be looking at the reality of what's happened to their business in 2020. And the reality is this, during a COVID pandemic, Pinball sales have skyrocketed. Pinball machines have flown off the shelves with absolutely zero shows that these companies went to. Let's look at the amount of sales and let's talk real quickly about the titles that have had huge sales successes. So let's go to Rick and Morty. They sold 750 games in four hours without attending a single show. That means Spooky Pinball can pocket all of that money, all of the time they lost making games, all of the lost labor, all of the cost for plane tickets, taxis, meals, whatever, all of that money is helping Spooky increase their revenue by not having to go to shows. Then we go to Ninja Turtles, right? Ninja Turtles 
without a show, sold out of all of their LEs and sold very well in premium form and pro form. It, I heard it was a very good selling game for Stern. Avengers LE sold out. The most expensive pinball machine you can buy right now, Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition, sold out in one hour, right? 500 GNRCEs at 12.5 sold out in one hour. And LEs are flying off the shelves. Stern Pinball has back orders that are somewhere around 5,000 units without going to a single show. So then the question has to be raised. Why would these companies in a global pandemic world, why would they travel the shows in 2021 in which we all know even if there's a vaccine, it's not going to be administered to people like you and me first. We're, we're definitely not going to have immunization by March when TPF is taking place. Why would anyone go if you're a manufacturer? Why would anyone of you travel there knowing the inherent risks associated with it? And you best believe nobody globally, globally is going to get on a plane and make their way to Texas come March. Why would people do this? And let me state right now, I love TPF. I can't wait till we all can meet again. I love pinball shows. For me, pinball shows was never about sales. It was about meeting up with people. It was about purse. It was about face-to-face -face interaction with all of you guys, and that's why shows are so special. I mean, pinball shows are so special because of the social aspect of it. And yes, you know, distributors sell games. Yes, vendors go there, and vendors love the shows to get their products out into the community. But I'm just here to tell you right now, if you look at the actual marketplace of what happens at a pinball show, the numbers seem to indicate that you don't need to go to a show to sell your products. You just don't. We have the internet. I mean, for most of these vendors, too, who sell these items, like let's take Penn Stadium, for example. Who's buying Penn Stadium lights? Let's face it. It's not the casual pinball buyer. It's the enthusiast who's buying Penn Stadium lights. And let me tell you, Penn Stadium is all over Facebook. They're all over Pinside. They have no they have no problem reaching people and showing people what their product is. You know, the internet is there and they've got the tools to reach their customers and you don't have to jump on a machine. I mean, also the incredible sales of 2020 is funny to me because what hasn't happened, right? The majority of these games have sold in which none of us were even able to play these games before we bought them. And so if you're a pinball company, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I don't even need to have people play my product to sell the product. This is great news. We can save so much money. Think about all the money Dutch Pinball spent flying around the world, renting out penthouses, acting like rock stars. It's a lot of money to ship pinball machines from the Netherlands all the way to Texas, all the way to Chicago, all that money. And I'm telling you, all this traveling and all this partying, all that money is what crippled a lot of these startup pinball companies because they just couldn't afford the cost associated with all of that and manufacture the games and order all the parts. You know, Andrew Highway never had to go around the world with Alien. Alien already went around the world with the movie. People love these themes. All you gotta do is make a theme people love, show them that you can make it, and people will buy it. There is absolutely no need to be at these shows to sell these games, and I would argue with anyone who says otherwise. 
Now, I do want the shows to come back, but I'm just here to tell you right now, I think shows in 2021 are still a pipe dream, and I don't think they're going to happen. But here's what's probably going to happen. I still think they're going to do shows because what happened is a lot of people didn't get refunded for their tickets in 2020. They got their tickets rolled over into 2021. And so I don't know if shows can financially survive two years in a row if they have to refund everybody's money. And so I think TPF might still happen, but it's gonna be a very, very small show because a lot of people are not gonna go there. A lot of people in Texas won't even go there. I'm not gonna go there. And it's why I think some of these shows that are coming up quickly, like it's gonna come up much sooner than you realize. I think they need to start thinking about canceling these shows. I mean, they've already canceled St. Patrick's Day parades in certain cities, and I think the same thing's going to happen with these super spreader events, and pinball is not a safe activity to do with a bunch of strangers traveling from all over. And first and foremost, the thing that matters the most to me is your health and safety. That matters more to me than going to shows, than having drinks and steaks with you guys. It just does. And I don't think it's safe for anyone to go to these shows. And I know that's not going to be music to the ears of people who do these shows and they're going to be upset, but it's it's just the facts. It's the facts of, of, of science and, and what this thing can do. And all you need is a few people at that show who have it or asymptomatic and that's it. That's it. Go study on how this thing spreads. Okay. Now, look, I, I know I, there's some people out there that are punching they're, they're punching their speaker or their headsets right now, being like, Canada, you're such a New York City, like, bleeding heart. No, I'm not. I'm just someone who actually likes to look at the facts of things and draw a logical conclusion to what should be done. All right, so speaking of facts and logical conclusions, it is a fact that pinball toppers are overpriced. And it is a fact that so many of the recent pinball toppers that Stern Pinball has released have not really given you your money's worth. $1,000 toppers, right? Ninja Turtles, Elvira, $700 for the Star Wars topper that looks so cheap. So there is a new pinball topper company in town. And first and foremost, I just want to say this is a really smart business model to go into. Pinball accessories are where the money is. Now there's a huge challenge to pinball accessories and we're going to talk about what that is, but these guys are called elite pinball toppers. Now, the reason why I'm going to give my pros and cons to this business model. The pro is this. There have been so many cheap toppers over the years and people love pinball toppers and they they describe their inspiration. I want to read it right now. They said elite pinball toppers was tired of seeing flat plastic two-dimensional toppers with lights and stickers fetching $600. We wanted more for the pinball community. We desired 3D molds, motorized features, LCD screens, and more. With no solution available, Elite Pinball Toppers was created to bring exactly that to the pinball community. All right, well, look, I'm all on board for this. So the first step in all market research, do you have a problem that you want to solve with your product, right? What's the tension that we're going to lean into? And that will ultimately lead you down a road in which hopefully you build a product that is solving a problem. And I agree with all of this. These cheap toppers that cost Stern like 50 bucks to make and they charge hundreds of dollars for absolutely bogus. Okay, then they tell us their background. Elite Pinball Toppers provides players and owners an immersive experience that is unmatched in the industry. Our company has a deep history 
of specialized skill sets within the fabrication, engineering, and automotive industry. The implementation of these skill sets into our pinball toppers is what sets us apart from the competition. So the, the thing about this is I'm always a little bit like when you're fresh out of the gate, when you're fresh out of the gate, you gotta be a little bit careful how much you boast about how you're so much better because of this, this, and this. But I will say this, they've released their first product and their product does look really awesome. We're gonna talk about that, but that is their background. So obviously these are some engineers and some people who understand how to do woodwork, metalwork, and engineering and work with technologies like LCD screens. All right, then they go to innovation. Innovation is a hot topic in the pinball community. We are hard at work designing incredibly detailed 3D molds, incorporating mechanical properties, and integrating light shows into our toppers. We pride ourselves in pushing the topper industry to new levels of creativity. Okay, so here's my thing, and they just released the Hobbit topper. If you go to Straight Down the Middle, Zach does a great video unboxing it and showing you what the topper is. I wanna give you a couple thoughts on this company and the topper right now. So first and foremost, I think that this is a great business model. I think if they can make high quality toppers, they are going to have an audience for what they create. Now, the next thing I'll say is this, I would not have limited my company to just toppers. If you have these men who are very skilled and can create amazing things to make pinball experiences better, why limit yourself to just the topper? So I would do more what Lior is doing, the art of pinball, in which he makes amazing toppers, but he also makes other things. Because again, there's just money you're gonna leave on the table. If you can make sculpts, why not just keep the door open for other aspects of pinball? So Elite Pinball Toppers might not have been the company I named it. Maybe it is Elite Pinball Modifications, right? Or Elite Pinball Mods, something that opens the door. And they could easily do that. That's just the first thing out of the gate. It always reminds me of Burlington Coat Factory. They called it Burlington Coat Factory. And then they had to spend all of their marketing effort to tell people they had more than just coats. Right, we have more than just toppers. So they also started a pin side thread in which they announced their company and how it's gonna work. And again, they're doing a smart thing in which they're making a limited edition number of these Hobbit toppers. They're making 50 of them. And they said they can make four to eight units per week and they wanna have all 50 orders fulfilled and delivered before January 31st. The cost of their Hobbit topper is $750, and it comes in a nice wooden box when they ship it, which is great. It's $50 for shipping. So I want to applaud these gentlemen on being completely transparent, completely open about how they're gonna do everything. I actually reached out to them to get them on the show to talk about this because I am I am curious about the sustainability of a topper business company, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. So let's talk about their Hobbit topper first. It is the open book. It is the, the there and back again novel that Bilbo Baggins is working in. And it is basically a bigger version of the book that's on the game itself. So if you look at The Hobbit in the upper right corner, there's the book that has the LCD screen. They are basically making a bigger version of that that's nicely sculpted in wood. It looks beautiful and it sits on top of your machine and it displays what's on that little screen up on the big screen on top of the game. What do I think of this topper? I do think it's crafted beautifully, and I also think it's the silliest thing I've ever seen. You're putting a screen 
on top of a screen that's on top of a screen. I mean, think about it. You've got the screen on the play field, then you go up and you've got that huge screen, which is the game screen, and then you go up again and you've got another screen. And I'm sorry, but pinball needs less screens, not more. When I saw this and I saw Zach put it on top of the machine and I saw him turn it on, I think there's a reason why he wasn't like playing the game for very long. Like he didn't want to really show us the way the topper worked in gameplay because if you did see the way this topper works, it's so silly. Like you can't look up there. There's absolutely no point in making a topper that's got like movie clips going. Like think, just think about a pinball machine for a moment. If you're gonna play movie clips, where's the last place you'd wanna put those movie clips? I'd rather see them on an LCD that's on the play field. I'd rather see them even on the apron bar. I'd maybe see them on, you know, obviously on the main LCD or, or display of the game itself. But to put them all the way on the top of the game itself, it absolutely makes no sense, and I think it's silly. And I, again, that is gonna be the challenge because when you think about making toppers, it's not just about putting a beautiful sculpt up there. If you wanna make it interactive with the game, I think you need to like really make it interactive with the game and make it make sense. Right, Lior made a topper for the Hobbit that's got Smaug, it's got the dragon, I think it even breathes like smoke and fire, and it's coming between the buildings, and obviously his topper is much more expensive than this 750 buck one, but on some level, I think you need to come up with concepts and ideas that make sense, and I just don't think this one makes sense. The other thing I don't get is this, why are they starting with the Hobbit? The Hobbit is a game, and this is just marketing strategy, the Hobbit is a game that is so irrelevant now. Like nobody, and I mean nobody thinks The Hobbit is a game that is hard to get. No one's clamoring for a Hobbit. The Hobbit's come and gone. And if you're gonna launch a pinball mod company, why would you start with the game that has a very, I mean a very small group of people that wanna upgrade it? They really, it's just not that kind of game. You know, The Hobbit just doesn't strike me as a game that's like a keeper. It's not a game that people are gonna pump tons of money in and, and never let it go. And I, if I were them, I would've made a topper for a game that has a larger audience. And they, again, this is just out of the gate. These guys are gonna still make more toppers, but I'm just saying, it's, a, it's always a weird place to start with The Hobbit. Now, here's why I think people do start with The Hobbit. And this is the main thing that's going to impact this company's ability to get you guys toppers frequently. Real simple. The one thing they don't have is they don't have IP rights to make toppers that infringe on the IP of the license. So they couldn't make a topper for Avengers that showed any of the Avengers up there. They couldn't use Thanos' glove. So they're gonna run into an issue with licensed games real quickly because it's really difficult to create toppers and then leave out any of the elements of the IP that we love. So let's take Guns N' Roses for example right now because I know Lior is working on a Guns N' Roses topper. Now if you look at the Jersey Jack topper, Jersey Jack has the Guns N' Roses bullet logo. They can say Guns N' Roses. They can put band members up there. They can use any GNR asset they want to sit on top of the machine. Now if you made a Guns N' Roses topper without any of the band members, yeah, you can use stuff like generic skulls and guns and generic roses 
but you can't use anything from the band itself. Did you see that topper the guy released with the lights, right? With the Guns N' Roses uh, logos all over? You can't do that. That's illegal. That guy's going to get shut down immediately. And we used to be able to do this without permission, right? I used to have a Lord of the Rings topper. I think it was like Matt McKay or Matt McKee. It was like this amazing metal topper and it said Lord of the Rings and it had the fellowship walking and it had red lights and it was made out of metal. It was awesome. You can't do that now legally. Like, if they release those toppers now, Stern would send you a cease and desist so fast. And that's why they pay so much money for these licenses is so they have permission to make the money on those mods. So this is going to be the biggest challenge for this company is figuring out how to make toppers that don't infringe on the IP that still feel like special and something you'd want to put on top of the game, right? So what what topper could they make for Avengers? Let's, let's look at the hot properties right now. What topper could you make for the Avengers that people would want? What topper could you make for Ninja Turtles that people would want that doesn't have anything to do with the IP? So you could go to stuff like Big Lebowski with like the bowling and the marijuana and all that stuff. That might be the next stop. I would look at the original games that are out there, right? All these remakes by Chicago Gaming Company. But the problem there is Chicago Gaming Company's toppers are the best in the business. They are 3D sculpted. And I don't think anyone who buys a CGC game who gets that beautiful topper is looking to replace it. So it's going to be interesting to see where these guys go next. Now, I think they will probably expand beyond just toppers because there's way more money to be made on mods on the play field than there is just on top of the game. I'm glad they're around. I look forward to seeing what they do, but I just don't think putting a TV on top of a TV on top of a TV is, is really the way to go out of the gate, all right? All right, what else is going on in pinball? Did you see that Great American Pinball, they were at the Jersey Jack factory and they took and shared pictures of Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition number one. Now, I just want to say this. This is the sexiest machine I've seen in a really long time. It's gorgeous. This machine is gorgeous. It looks beautiful. I know all you LE owners out there need to convince yourselves that the LE is better than the CE. It's subjective. It's artwork. I think they're both incredibly gorgeous machines. I really do. I love a lot of stuff about both of them. But those Radcals, and here's the part that's going to be the sickest thing with the CE, is the, the glitter. When that glitter is on that playfield and the light show is going, it is going to add an extra effect and sparkle to the concert going experience that is GNR. It's going to be incredible. And then, of course, the one thing that all the CE owners are just going to wave in the faces of every single LE owner is that coma ball lock in the apron. It's like the one thing that no modder is going to be able to do. Maybe they can. Like Maybe someone's going to sell an entirely new apron with that mech in it, with everything done to it. But, but here's the thing. The code for that won't be in the LE code, or maybe it is. Who knows? Who knows if they can do it? But anyway, you're not going to see your collector's editions this year, though, people. Like I'm just telling you right now, if you are in on a CE, you are not going to get your game this year. So you're going to need a little patience going into 2021. Now, when will they hit the line? I still don't know yet. All eyes, as I said on the last show, are going to be on the new LEs that ship and if the play field issues are better. Because don't forget about this. See how easy it is to forget about all these play field issues? Like a week or two goes by, and if, if Canada's not ranting about it, you're really not going to hear it on the other shows. Like you're just going to hear people talk about this stupid Stern coffee table book that costs $8,000 to ship. I mean, why don't, why don't people just go pick up the book? Why doesn't one person, this is what I don't get. If this company's not a fraud, 
this paper flock company? Why doesn't one person just go pick up all the books, get a truck, load up the books, and then why doesn't that person just ship it to everyone at a normal cost? See, this company, they need that shipping money. It's crazy, right? They need that shipping money to probably make the damn books. I don't understand that. It's a stupid book. It's just a book. It doesn't cost anything to mail books. All right, Brenda's like, what are you talking about, a book? The more I thank people for donating to the show, the more people donate, which is great. And for those of you out there, we've done 530 episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast, which is amazing. Now, I'm going to think about unlocking some of those older episodes so some of you new listeners can listen to them. I'm probably going to do it like this. I'm probably going to make access to the old shows available at a certain Patreon donation level. Wow, Canada is holding back his content and charging people for the old stuff? Well, you know, sometimes you got to put some food on the table. But I want to thank Dennis Valone. Dennis, thank you so much for your donation to Canada's Pinball Podcast. I want to thank, let's see, Joss Vander Linden. Did I say that right? Joss, Joss, is it Joss, Brenda? Joss, Joss, J-O-S? I hope I got that right. I probably butchered it because I said it five different ways. Joss, thank you so much for your contribution. I want to thank Scott Millman for his contribution too to Canada's Pinball Podcast. He said, hi, Chris. I always buy what you recommend. Now I am still waiting for my Rick and Morty and GNR. So still no machines in my room. Maybe now try a Led Zeppelin to have at least one game at New Year's Eve. Wish you all the best. All right. Well, man, sorry, man. Led Zeppelin ain't coming out before New Year's Eve. Uh, Scott Millman said... I was a Patreon before, but honestly, I canceled when you quit your show. You got me back. Good work. Scott, thank you so much for coming back to this show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 530 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm going to go pick up my computer that is broken to get a new one so I can start doing interviews again. I know that you love some Canada interviews. They are coming back to the show. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Oh,